it's great to have Dr. Willie Weaver. It was a blessing yesterday, wasn't he? And appreciate uh, his ministry with us. He's had 50 years of experience as a pastor and uh, wonderful churches. And then he's uh, led Bible college. So he has had uh, that experience also and uh, a little key leadership roles there. And we're just so thankful for his life and the influence that he's had. So, brother, if you'll come, good to have you here. Thank you. Well, it's good to be with you. It's a nice looking group. Well, there's a couple exceptions, but at any rate, <laughs> it's, it's good to be here. Uh, take your Bible, if you will. I want to be sort of practical today and maybe not talk so much about missions as we've had that. And wasn't that great last night? Uh, wow, you'll go over that, that hallelujah go. And uh, I want you all to surprise the pastor when he goes over and say hallelujah real loud. Okay, no. But we praise the Lord for it and, and thankful that God uh, has blessed such a way. And this is a great church and doing wonderful things. It's so great to be involved in God's work. It really is. And, and uh, so I, I retired uh, from the pastorate, but I didn't retire from serving the Lord. And uh, someone asked my wife, said, uh, what's it like now that your husband's retired? She said, too much preacher and not enough money. But uh, so <laughs> it does make a difference. And so uh, she said, what are you going to do today? I said, nothing. She said, well, what did you do yesterday? I said, nothing. She said, well, why aren't you going to do something today? I said, I didn't finish what I was doing yesterday. So. <laughs> That's not truth, by the way. That's just <laughs> to wake you up a little bit, I hope. I want to talk to you about a, a biblical beehive, all right? How many of you ever uh, robbed a beehive or helped somebody rob a beehive? Oh, yeah, we have two educated people here. So <laughs> I always watched my daddy from a distance, but he could do it. But let's look at uh, some things that we need to have and one of them, number one, is to be ready. Luke 12 and verse 40. And that can um, be spread out in a lot of different ways to be ready. But this is just a reminder verse, a springboard verse in Luke 12 and verse 40. Where the Bible says, Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. We need to be living like he's coming at any moment. You say, but I want to graduate. Well, if the rapture happens, you won't worry about that, will you? Surely not. And some of you are worried about it anyway, whether the rapture happens or not. But, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you're stretching it out to about seven years. But that's all right if that's God's plan for you. But we need to be ready and keep serving God. A lot of people say, well, I, you know, I don't know about going to the mission field. What if the Lord comes? That'll be all right. You'll be ready. You'll be there. You'll be where God wants you to be, wherever that is. And if it's being a student for six or seven years, that's all right. Just be ready to live for the Lord and be ready to serve God at all times. Be ready when you're called upon. Be ready to volunteer. Be ready to serve as you have opportunity. You know, God will take a volunteer. You don't have to have this massive calling all the time. 
Now you look, uh, sometimes a need is something that requires or, or causes a calling. You see a need, and you can meet that need, so by God's grace, meet that need. Just be ready, be ready, be ready. Secondly, be studious. Be studious. Um, I've taught in the seminary, out at Norris Seminary, and I realized that not everybody in my classes was studious. And one guy said uh, to me, you, you gave me an elf, and I, I don't really like that. I said, well, that's about as high as I could go with you, but at any rate, <laughs> you know. But be studious. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study, not just read the Bible. That's good. Read through it. Read through it every year. But study the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto the pastor, unto everybody else, unto your peers. No, unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Most Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons can twist the average Baptist around their fingers if you start in a debate with them. We need to know the Word of God, know what we believe, why we believe it. We need to be able to back it up by Scripture. Uh, whatever you say, whatever you come up with in your ministry and in your life, as a missionary pastor, whatever it is, back it up with the Bible. Be sure you can back it up with the Word of God. If not, just state it's your opinion, but be studious. Know the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Three things that every student should do daily, at least these three things. Number one, pray fervently. Pray fervently. I don't know if you got up early enough to pray this morning. I don't know what you did, but you'll learn that prayer is vital. And if somebody were to ask me, why do you think you had, have had success in the ministry and I'm not just talking about numbers, but I'm talking about success in the ministry, staying in the ministry uh, for 50 years, I would say my prayer life. Prayer. Prayer is what keeps you there. Prayer is what uh, keeps you humble before God. We need to daily pray, learn to get up early and pray, or stay up late and pray, whatever your schedule may be. And that's very elementary, I know. And yet there's so many people, even uh, Bible college students, who are not praying as they should. Pray fervently. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, if you want to get something done and you want to have some things to happen, be a prayer warrior. There's nothing like prayer. I mean, you can get alone with God, and I know schedules are pressed, but it's nothing to pray. Pray an hour and pray before God. So I still am looking for more time to pray. And I read some of these biographies of great missionaries and, and great men of God, and I, I'm thinking, man, I'm still not praying like I ought to pray. But pray. God honors prayer. And then secondly, and this is good for especially uh, students, wait patiently. On the Lord. Now, some of you right now 
are like an airplane in a fog. You say, I don't know if I'm going to do this or do that or do the other. If I believe this, I believe maybe that. Some of you have got it all figured out. You think God may change that. And some of you, you'll go right ahead. And when I surrendered to, to um, go to Bible college and everything, I knew I wanted to be a preacher and a pastor. And God had settled that. But that's not true with everybody. But wait upon the Lord. Don't push. Don't try to get ahead of God. Don't get behind but don't try to get ahead of God. Sometimes we try to work it out ourselves and we try to insert ourselves and we try to get ahead of God. And that's a bad mistake in our lives. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord. Are you resting in the Lord today? Or are you worried to death about something? Are you depressed and discouraged? Are you resting in the Lord? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't wait on everybody else, but wait patiently for the Lord. And that's who he wants you to look to. He wants you to look to him. Isaiah said it this way in chapter 40 in verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord, waiting on God, uh, seeking God's will, waiting upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We need to renew our strength once in a while, don't we? We need a personal revival every once in a while. We need to renew our strength. Even if you're in Bible college, that happens. And so the, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall, shall run and not be weary. Are you weary today? We need to mount up like eagles. Eagles are a beautiful bird. If you've ever watched them and observed them some, uh, they're tremendous. But they will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. You ever feel like quitting, throwing in the towel, fainting? It's sort of, a, it sort of uh, is advertising the fact that you're not waiting upon the Lord, renewing your strength. You've got to do that. And don't get discouraged as you're serving the Lord. And uh, right where you are may be exactly where God wants you. God may want to change some of that, but you've got to wait upon the Lord. Watch for the Lord's leadership. So pray fervently, wait patiently, and then getting back to the studying, study diligently. When you stop studying the Word of God, when that happens to you, you start sliding. When you stop saying, and I'm not talking about just for a test or just to please the prof. But to stay in the Word of God for your personal benefit. And if you don't do it for your own personal benefit, uh, someone was saying in our prayer group yesterday morning about his devotions that morning. And he brought out some wonderful things in the book of Deuteronomy of all places. And I think one of the students said something about in their devotions. You need to have that time and study the Word of God and be in the Word of God. And uh, if you don't do that, then you're going to start sliding. You really will. Now, let me share some thoughts, very practical. I think uh, these were given out years ago to students by Dr. J. Frank Norris. Uh, how many of you ever heard of him, by the way? Oh, how about that? I don't know if it's negative or positive, but at least you've heard of him. <laughs> he was a character, but uh, a lot of what's said about him is untrue. But J. Frank Norris was a tremendous leader in fundamentalism. Um, he was a valedictorian at Baylor and then at, at uh, I believe it was Louisville. 
and a very brilliant man, big, tall man of stature. And uh, he would preach to 6,000, five or 6,000 in Fort Worth, Texas on Sunday morning, get on a plane and fly to Detroit, Michigan, and preach to another five or 6,000 people. That's pretty good, isn't it? I have a picture at my house on the wall. I don't worship him, but I'm just uh, saying that he was a great man of God, and God, he, God used him to shape the nation, really, in a lot of ways. He, uh, he, he was very powerful. But uh, I have a picture at home where there are somewhere around 500 people or so that were there gathered, and uh, about that many were baptized that Sunday. They had it out where there was a big, uh, it wasn't a lake, it was a city park. And there were hundreds baptized that day and thousands of people gathered around. They were up in trees and everywhere watching the baptism. So what he says, some of the practical things he said to the students, I think were good for me and they, maybe they'll be good for you. Number one, don't be ashamed to humble yourself. Don't be ashamed to humble yourself. He said, all hell cannot touch a contrite spirit. Isn't that true? Don't be ashamed to humble yourself. And I know uh, even in Bible colleges, that's a challenge for some people I've met. But you've got to humble yourself. All hell cannot touch a broken spirit or a contrite heart. Secondly, getting back to studying, Dig deeply in the scriptures. I'm afraid sometimes we spend too much time in novels and maybe even biographies. They're good, uh, certain ones. But we need to spend that time in the Word of God. If I have one regret in my life I, that I would change, probably it would be I would spend much more time in the Bible. I would have spent much more personal time in the Bible just reading it and studying it and studying it and studying it and studying it. Uh, and the pastor, you get so busy, your pastor's busy, I promise you. Um, you just don't know. I heard about some deacons a while back, didn't want to give a pastor a raise. He had taken the church from almost nothing to about 200, and they wanted to give him a raise. And a couple of the deacons said, well, what, what does he do? said, he just preaches on Sunday and then, what else does he do? You know, I guess they thought he twiddled his thumbs and waited for the phone to ring. But that's not the way it is. And you think, if you think being in the pastor or being a missionary is going to be a breeze, friend, you've got a shock coming because it's not that way at all. You'll be busier than you've ever been in your life probably. But don't spend your time in non-essential reading to the regret that you don't spend a lot of time in the Bible. Know the book. And let the book know you. But know the book. Know the Word of God. And then number three, and, and you'll have to weigh this one out carefully. When trouble comes, hold your ground. It's better to go down swinging. He, went, he didn't go down. He did a lot of swinging sometimes. But uh, he didn't go down. Uh, Babe Ruth did a lot of swinging, didn't he? But we all probably, most everybody in here would know the name Babe Ruth. I don't know. This is a new generation. But anyway, Babe Ruth, he struck out a whole lot more times than he hit home runs, but he was a home run king. But he went down swinging a lot of times. And you'll have that. But 
uh, it's better to go down swinging. And uh, I've, I've had some situations in my ministry. Uh, listen, uh, pastors and missionaries, don't, don't let anybody push you out of the will of God. Don't be mean as a junkyard dog. Don't be hateful with people. Don't be like that. But stand your ground. God called you to be a leader. God called you to be a pastor, a missionary leader. You stand your ground, whatever it may be. And uh, don't let anybody force you or push you uh, into situations where you know better and you're not going to compromise. They want you to compromise. You're not going to do it. I had, I've had some, uh, my first church, I inherited about 90 people in that church and the plaster was falling off the walls and had a two-tone roof and the building was about this size right here and we were running about 90 as I said and, and uh, uh, sometimes when you get in a smaller work like that there's always been somebody there a long time who likes to run the show and I had two or three of those but I had one <laughs> One especially, and I'm I'm a very young pastor, about 26, and I've taken my first church, and uh, I was a youth director three years. Uh, everybody ought to be a youth director at least three years. Uh, that'll humble you. But anyway, <laughs> when when I went there, I'm telling you, this guy was he was something else. I remember the bathrooms had a the women's restroom had the floor was rotten in it. And uh, I said something to them about they needed to fix the floor. I said, that needs to be repaired. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to fall through that thing or, or a lady's going to break off her high heels or something. <laughs> and he, he, said, he, he said, well, we'll patch it up. And he put brown tile down with green tile. That was beautiful. That was pretty. <laughs> and he put it right over the place that was still rotten. And guess whose wife, this is the truth, huh? guess whose wife's heel got caught in that and got twisted. And she told him off and she said, you better get that fixed. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that, that humbled him. But I can remember when I was at the house, the parsonage was right near it, and I was there and, and uh, I had led a guy to the Lord who ran a men's store downtown and uh, he was helping out. He really got enthused and and uh, he sort of wanted to follow me around and help out in every way. But I was over at, the, over at my house, had 104 temperature. I mean, I was really sick that morning. And he heard this man. I, I didn't change it too quick. He was uh, teaching the auditorium class. And so I didn't want to make too many vast changes too quickly. By the way, that's wise. You can't just wait forever, but uh, that's not a bad idea. Uh, win a bunch of people to the Lord, and then you can make a lot of changes. But um, uh, he said, Pastor, he called me. He said, you need to come over here. I know you're sick, but you need to come over here if you can. He said, he's telling the Sunday school class that he's asking them, when are we going to get rid of this young pastor we've got here? We need to get rid of him. And uh, he actually got up and stood and, and said that. Uh, his daughter, and, and uh, she was a pianist at Bob Jones University. And that was her father. And her brother surrendered. Her brother surrendered under my ministry into full-time service. He's pastoring right now. And uh, they said after a while, he was so angry and so bitter, I just gave him a lot of rope 
and trusted God and prayed, and that's a good thing to do, and God will take care of it, and God took care of him, and they began to say, I believe Dad's lost his mind. And he was calling me a liberal. I don't know why exactly, but he was calling me a liberal, and he went off and took, after that, he went off and took a church of another denomination that was very liberal and became their lay pastor. Well, I'm, what I'm saying to you is don't let somebody like that push you around. Don't let anybody. You just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing and, uh, and let God handle them. And you don't have to get in a fist fight with them. You don't have to split the church over it. I, just give them some rope. And, and call on God, and God will take care of the hanging, all right? And just, just let it work out that way. But always, always um, uh, do that. And then number four, laugh at your critics. I don't mean you got to get in their face and laugh at them, but just walk off and say, oh, they don't, they don't understand. They don't know. You're going to have critics. You, you, you think because you're a pastor or a missionary pastor that everybody's going to love you? No way. You're going to have your critics. And uh, that, what I just shared with you, is, is an example of it. But in a lot of other things, you're going to have that to happen. I remember leading two young ladies to the Lord, teenage girls, and they, were, they had been in drugs even at that time. This was back in the uh, early 70s. And uh, they got saved and really got to serving the Lord. And uh, then their father and mother came to the church. And uh, I remember he was going to give us about 100 acres or so of property right on a river, a nice river, uh, the James River. And I thought, well, that'd be great. But this man, uh, because we decided to make a trip with our youth from Virginia to Texas, he got mad about it. And he said, you're not, gonna, you're not going to do that. You're not taking my daughters all the way to Texas like God couldn't protect them all the way to Texas and back. But I'm just saying, laugh at your critics. Go about your business and let God take care of it. And then live in eternity and not in time. What do you mean? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly. We're not going to understand everything. But then face to face. Now we know in part but then shall I know also as also I am known. Live in eternity, not in time. Now understand God <clears throat> is moving your life and working your life. Things that are happening to you while you're here. God's just developing you. He's making you what he wants you to be. And we know that Romans 8:28 is true. All things work together. Good things, bad things, things we don't understand, little things, big things. They all work together. And so let God develop your life in that. Now, advice to some young preachers, let me give you some of these. And, and not only preachers, but those in full-time service in any way. Number one, and you say, well, why would you bring this up in a Bible college? Remember, I told you I taught in Bible college and I pastored. But number one, be morally pure. Be morally pure. And it's a fact that preachers are talking about it even in a lot of our Bible colleges and all that sometimes that's a problem. And it's not only the guys. Sometimes it's the young ladies. It's the thought life. It's all of those things. It's relationships. You need to be morally pure. And uh, guys, I want to put it very plainly. If you're fooling around with pornography, cut it out. Anybody in here. You say, well, it's just... 
I'm hooked on it, and I, and I just can't help it. You can. What you do is stop it. You just stop it. You don't say, God, help me to stop it. And you might pray that prayer, but you don't, you, God's not going to take a magic wand and tap you on the head and say, okay, now you're through, stop it. You've got to decide in your heart and mind, this is wrong, and I'm not going to do it. And I'm telling you, it will, it will cause you to have guilt. It will, it will mess up with your head. It will affect your ministry. <clears throat> and in fact, if you're married, your marriage. And I've counseled enough to know that that is something that can happen. So be morally pure. Um, it's so sad, and your pastor knows it, these men here, some of the great preachers, I mean, great words, tremendous preachers. I remember a pastor that had a tremendous word. It's not important who he was and where he was, but um, I preached for his dad some. And this pastor, uh, his son, his own son, which I liked his son, a very nice young man, heard him after he took another large church. He left one year and took another large church. And his son heard him talking to his former secretary, making plans to meet her when he was going to meet her, and so on and so forth. And his son, thank God, had enough uh, discernment to turn him in to the deacons and get that settled. And that man later, uh, instead of getting reconciled, uh, went in the garage. I'm talking about a man who had, had money, had, had, had fame, had big churches, and he started to car up and uh, killed himself with carbon monoxide because of impurity. And it happens, and you better guard against it. And be careful with that, guys and ladies. Be careful with the relationship. It's not only pastors sometimes that run off with another woman. Sometimes it's pastors' wives that run off with another man. And I've seen that, and it's a heartbreaking terrible thing, and that's why I'm really uh, emphasizing that. And then be spiritually alive. Be spiritually alive. And uh, be physically fit. If you got it, flaunt it. I, I just can't help it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't have it. I, but I'm working on You don't have to pump weights and do all of that and and be Mr. Charles Atlas, but it's a good idea to try to take care of your health. And if you will take care of your health, you won't uh, have your first heart attack at about 25 and the second one at about 40. And along the way, it, it's a good idea to try to stay the best you can physically fit. And boy, that'll be a challenge when you're in the ministry. I promise you that. And then be mentally alert. <laughs> Use your brain. <laughs> Use your mind. <laughs> Read a lot. Readers are leaders. Again, don't let it push out the Bible, but use your mind. Don't let everybody else control your mind. Let God control it and the Holy Spirit. Number six, be emotionally balanced. Be emotionally balanced. Uh, don't be flying off the handle all the time. Don't be depressed and discouraged all the time. Discouragement is a sin. If you allow it to continue and you let it work on your life and let it carry into the next day and affect you in those ways, 
so many things could be said more about that. And I can tell you one thing that's going to discourage you the most is if you have sin in your life. You say, well, I don't drink, I don't use drugs, and I don't curse, and I don't chew and run around with people who do. Okay, but are you jealous of somebody? Are you envious of somebody? That kind of thing? Are you looking around at other students and say, well, he's getting uh, a good treatment that I'm not getting. I ought to be getting that treatment. And uh, I don't have the opportunities of other people. They bypass me. Or some relative or some situation you have, bitterness will kill you. Let me tell you, it'll kill you. And so be sure that you, uh, that you are emotionally balanced. And then be evangelistically fervent. Listen, don't lose your fire. Don't lose your fire in witnessing. It's good to hear these testimonies. I'm not sure about the hot spots, but uh, I, I have to think about that term a little bit, but I guess they're hot spots for evangelism, and I'm sure that's what it, what it is, but don't lose that. Don't lose the hot spots for evangelism. <laughs> All right? Uh, just keep winning people the Lord. And be bold. Uh, you know, you may be bashful. I, by nature, I'm bashful. Uh, I used to have to go in the closet just to change my mind, you know. But I, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, just say, Holy Spirit, this is a thing to do, and I'm going to talk to somebody about it. I, I was eating out last week, and I've got a picture on my phone of a young lady that I had the privilege of leading to the Lord. At, at the restaurant, and I was talking to her, and she wasn't all that busy at that time, and I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord, and that made my week. <laughs> that really, you say, well, that's easy believism. Who's going to follow her, up, follow her up? Well, I already have a lady in our church who eats over there often, and she said, I'm going to follow her up. I'm going to talk to her, and we'll do what we can. I'll try to contact her, but hey, leave that in the hands of God. I'm not trying to notch my gun with easy believism, but I'm not trying to shy away from telling people about Jesus Christ either. And that's a good thing, that's a good thing to do. Uh, the pastor and I were able to talk to a lady yesterday, a waitress, and, and she gave the standard answer, you know, well, I believe in God. I'm going to heaven. I believe in God. And she needed the Lord, didn't she? She needed more than that. Uh, a lot of people believe in God. You start talking about Jesus, they change their tune. But uh, there's where it's different. So also, let me say, be financially frugal. You said you're a Dutchman. You understand that. Be financially frugal. Um, that's a good thing. You don't have to be stingy, but be frugal. And take care of your finances. A lot of people get out of the ministry. I, I had to counsel a, uh, a young man. I've got too much to say in a short time. But I had to counsel a young man uh, Believe it or not, he and his wife on deputation, he thought he was going to live off of his father's reputation. His father was a great missionary, and he thought he didn't have to do deputation. He would go back and prematurely go back into the country, and then they would be, he would just automatically get all that support. And, uh, and so he did that, and when he came to me, believe it or not, this is true, they were $70,000 in debt with credit cards. 
guess what he had to do? He had to come home. Guess where he is now? He's still working his way out of debt. And I think he'll go back and she will back into the mission field. But they also wanted the fancy furniture and all of that right away. Uh, that's not a good idea. Be financially frugal. They say, they say, some people, that painters and plumbers and preachers are the greatest risk financially of anybody in the country. And isn't that sad? I went into a store, a, a radio shack one day in Connorsville, Indiana, and I hadn't been there for about a year or so then, and I was going to get some things and charge it to the church, and we had an account there. And so when I went up to pay for it, I told the lady to charge it to uh, Calvary Baptist Church. She looked at me. She said, are you kidding me? She got real loud. And other people started looking. She said, your credit's no good here. You don't pay your bills. And blah, 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 blah. She went on. I said, ma'am, we do pay our bills. And uh, our credit's good. She said, what church did you say it was? And I said, Calvary Baptist. She said, oh, I'm sorry. It's that other Baptist church on the other side of town. She named it. And I thought, yeah, I can understand. That was a terrible testimony for the church and for Christ. Be that way. Well, let's finish up. Moses spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court to be somebody and 40 years in the desert to become a nobody and 40 years in the wilderness. He started out, he was a somebody who found out he was a nobody. Here's what I'm saying. Egotism and pride will ruin your ministry. Uh, God is not pleased with that. Reminds me of the student so boastful, he said, I'm telling you guys, I'm going to have a beautiful wife and I'm going, to have, I'm going to have a big church. And God answered his prayer about halfway. He gave him a beautiful church and you figure out the other part of that. <laughs> so be careful what you brag about and how you pray. Romans 12, 3 for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You think you're God's gift to evangelism and the ministry, you're not. And that'll put you down about as quick as anything. First Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Um, promotion comes from whom? The Lord. And if God wants to promote you, you, you let him do it, but don't you, you don't need to, pride, God hates pride. And so don't be an egotistical, prideful student or person. And then thirdly, very quickly, be an innovator, not a copycat. Be yourself. I remember when I was a student years ago, so many of the guys, Dr. Howes, you know, would cough. <coughs> He'd cough. And uh, a lot of them get up to preach, and boy, they just had to cough. They didn't have a cold. They hadn't had a cold in 10 years, but they had to cough. And then Dr. Earl Oldham used to always, he'd take his handkerchief out, and, and like so, you know, and he'd do it, and, and he would tell the guys, say, throw your handkerchief up and turn your page. They won't know you're using notes, you know. And so all the guys would get up and preach, and every one of them, uh, they'd come up with a handkerchief, and they'd throw that handkerchief out there. I guess they thought the Holy Ghost was in the handkerchief. <laughs> well, that's Benny Hinn, but anyway. 
<laughs> study men, study biographies. Listen, God made you, you. You be yourself. Just be yourself. That's who God wants you to be. Improve to all you can, but be yourself. And isn't it great to be in God's Word, to be called by God, and to be able to serve Him? And I hope some of these things will reverberate in your mind and your conscience uh, down the road. And uh, maybe some of this will come back whenever you're faced with some of those things. But I'm telling you, God is good. And there's some beehives of service and things in the Word of God that we ought to listen to for the glory of God. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for these students. And I pray that you'll just continue to be with them and meet their needs. And God, you uh, set their own personalities and the genetics when they were in their mother's wombs. Just help them to do what you want them to do. Be themselves, lean on you, trust you. Inadequacy, they may feel it, but our adequacy is not in ourselves, but it's in you. And God bless them. God bless them as they go to the mission field. Bless them as they become pastors or pastors' wives or missionaries' wives or whatever they're going to do or serving in Christian education. May your hand be upon them and may we all have broken hearts for lost souls to get them to Christ in whose name we pray, amen.